I'm Josh Cooperman, and this is Convo by Design featuring a return of the showroom, a conversation series with amazing design talent from across the U.S. and around the world. In this episode of the showroom, you are going to hear from C Plus TC design studio heads William Cox, Billy Thorne, and James Culpepper. If not familiar with them, you should be, and you will be over the course of the next hour. Their work is exceptional, and you are going to hear a masterclass in hospitality design. Billy, Jim, and Bill are a rare combination of artisan creativity, craftsman skill, and as a team, they possess this ability to create spaces that cater to feeling, emotion, and giving guests a feeling of home while they're away. You're going to hear how they do it right after this. I am incredibly proud of Convo by Design in year 10, and I'm equally proud of my partnership with Thermosol. They've been presenting partners of Convo by Design for three years now, and there is a certain amount of pride that comes with saying that the show is presented by the company that is the best in the world at what they do. Thermosol engineers the most exceptional smart shower products and steam shower systems worldwide for a few reasons. They were the first company to design patent the technology here in the U.S. dating back to 1958. Thermosol, a U.S. brand, a U.S. manufacturer in Round Rock, Texas, employs an engineering team that designs, tests, and continuously refines the product. Their quality control team tests every single steam generator before it departs the factory. Who else does that? Nobody. I have had the pleasure of working with some world-class designers and architects who tell me, and you probably know this, that the idea of luxury has changed and continues to change, especially when clients want a spa-like bathroom. Steam is mandatory. Or it's just not considered a, a, a luxury space. And if you want to add steam, you have one true option. It's Thermosol. And now, Thermosol, the industry leader in steam, bath equipment, and technology since 1958, is enhancing their already stellar family of products with new indoor and outdoor luxury saunas. Available in three design configurations, each sauna is handcrafted from clear western red cedar or Nordic spruce, inspired by the brilliance of northern European sauna technology and design. A luxury bathroom isn't luxury without steam. If you want luxury, you have one option. It's Thermosol. Check them out at thermosol.com and at thermosol on the socials. This is the first edition of the showroom that we've done in in quite a while. And I'm really excited about the conversation that we've got going. And I, I actually want to just jump into this right away. So what I'm going to ask is introduce yourselves uh, both individually and then tell me about the firm because I'm a sucker for a good origin story. And, uh, and I love hearing how companies like yours come together. Whoever wants to start. I'll start. Uh, my name is Jim Culpepper. I'm a founding partner of C plus TC design studio. Uh, we started in 1987 with a different name, different, different group of folks, but Billy and Bill joined us shortly thereafter. And over time they have retired or left the firm and Billy and Bill have become partners uh, when we started, we focused on hotels and have always done a series of hotels, but also done senior living as part of that. So we started uh, doing a very high level of design, four star and up hotels right out of the get go in 1987. And we've done the same. We've done five star. We've done 
rollouts of many other uh, different brands. I mean, we've done a whole bevy of things and the whole while doing a lot of senior living. So we do architecture, renovations, and interior design is a kind of the different specialties with different partners. So we're we're very excited about where we are as a company and we're very much appreciative of this opportunity to speak with you. So there you go. So there a- absolutely, absolutely, Bill. So my name is uh, William Cox, I go by Bill. Um, I have been working with Jim and Billy for over 30 years now. And as Jim said, right, I, it, it, this, this has been my, been my, my life and my profession. Um, I know I just kind of gave away our, uh, really? <laughs> you're welcome. You're welcome for that. Anyway, um, so we, we have a passion for hospitality and we have a passion for uh, senior living and uh, projects like that that kind of fit into that sort of uh, wheelhouse are are the things that we are really excited about doing. Personally, I am a uh, architect. I'm licensed in a number of states, so we are able to practice. The firm is able to practice all across the United States um, without any any issues, uh, which we do. Right. Um, and uh, I tend to focus mostly in the practice here. I tend to focus mostly on being the architect of record and design architects for new build projects and for uh, heavy renovation projects. And then I'll also assist Billy on some of the projects that she works on where we have permitting issues and we need to have the sign sign set um, issued, so. Billy. Billy. I'm Billy and um, I have worked, I started working with Jim many, many years ago, and then Bill joined shortly thereafter. I'm not going to give any more clues on my age, (laughs) Um, but um, we have worked together for quite a while. I focus on interior design, and um, I work in the hotel segment, and we do new build and renovation. Renovation has always been a staple of our business because we can provide the integrated service of architecture and interiors. And that is very appealing to a lot of our clients. And it's kind of been something that sustained us through even some tougher times, um, being able to do that renovation and combined service model. So, um, but work with both these guys on different projects, depending on what the needs and schedule are. So uh, just coming out of the gate hot on this one, I'm, I'm curious because travel absolutely exploded post-pandemic and because the experience of residential living and the expectation of traveling didn't didn't jive so much anymore how and, and because hotels aren't built overnight right i mean they're not remodeled overnight they're not built overnight they're not designed overnight it takes it takes years it takes many many years how have the expectations changed from your perspective? How has the design changed? How has the, um, what is the increased experience level? How is that changing? What are you being asked to do now that maybe you weren't being asked prior to this? I'll, I'll jump in. One of the things is I feel like the hotel has to be a better experience than what somebody has at home because they're leaving their home. They're wanting something different. They're paying for it. So it has to be a notch up from the home. And there are times where I feel like, you know, home design drives it. And then sometimes hotel design drives it. We kind of feed off. We Well, we all feed off different sectors of the design market. But we quite often hear we need an Instagrammable moment in a design. 
Um, another big thing that we see a lot of right now that's come out of the pandemic, I would say, is outdoor spaces and, and really um, trying to figure out how to get more windows into the public space, mostly right. meeting space. Um, but outdoor spaces are so far above and beyond any request we get. And um, just wanting to be able to be back outside after being forced outside during the pandemic. So that's something that really, really has stayed with us and I think continues to be a strong owner request. You know, another surprise for me, travel starting back travel after the pandemic was food and beverage is completely different. It's, it's a design issue, but it's also a service issue in that, you know, room service is to some degree limited, in, even in four and five star resorts. And that was a big surprise. And I think the idea of how you design restaurants and bars and those things is evolving to a little bit more intimacy, a little bit more sense of, uh, you know, privacy as you're dining, just because of the pandemic and people are looking for a little bit more private spaces. But just the availability of food and beverage has really been interesting. So that's what I see. And also, um, you know, I'm sure that everybody is aware of all the discussion that's been going on about sustainability. So that's been creeping into um, hotel design as well. And to Billy's point, just indoor environment quality is becoming a really important thing. And Billy mentioned uh, windows and meeting rooms. So I can remember 15, 20 years ago, the operators in the hotel flags would be like, no, we don't want any, right. because we want to be able to completely control the environment. But now well, the tide has turned and they realize that, you know, it is actually good for uh, just people's health to be able to have daylight come into a room. And so we're, we're, we're kind of reorienting the planning of buildings to accommodate that now. So I think that was a good point you brought up there. So, uh, you know, I, I'm interested in that, too, because I'm, I'm curious as everything, what, what a lot of people, you know, kind of forget over time. And I think the, I mean, you, you tell me, but the, the indicator, the indication of a, of a great hotel is one where you just don't notice that much, where you can just sort of float from one space to another space to another space. The transitions are seamless. There, there's no, there are no clogging points. There are no issues that you come up against. And there's so much work that goes into making that seamlessness happen. You know, it's, it's just, it's, it's magical. It, it really is. And I think, you know, in a residential project, it's much easier because you're designing for one person in a, in a, uh, in a hotel, you're designing for an idea. You know, you're, you're designing for a, for a, a certain concept in a clientele. How have the how have the conversations changed with clients, and do the clients understand what they're asking you to do now, or has the responsibility kind of turned from a business and hotel management idea of here's what a hotel is and here's how we make it profitable to here's what a hotel is now because the experience is such that it will become profitable be profitable because the experience will draw more people. I think that varies dramatically on your location. I think it varies dramatically if you've got a brand and if you do have a brand, what is your brand? Um, I think it also varies on the size of the hotel we're talking about. All these are big factors when, you know, trying to decide what, which of these items to kind of take into as the number one point to start designing from. So we try to have these conversations very, very early on 
love demographic data, love to be right. able to tour the city, love to understand why is the hotel being built? What, what made it this specific piece of land? Sometimes it's obvious because there's an ocean out back, but sometimes it's not quite as obvious. So really understanding a lot of the basics on it is really how we kind of start the process of trying to understand what we design to. Because all the things you talk about are very important and some owners have different priorities and some brands have different priorities. Right. So it, it's a whole, it's a, it's a complicated question, I guess is what I'm saying. Yes. Well, what architectural project is not a complicated question? <laughs> you in a way? Yeah, well, yes, yes. It, you know, hotels are always ranked up with hospitals in terms of complexity, not just of the getting a bill, but just the complexity of the fact that every space is a program space. You don't have an office space, it's just generic buildings. They were very complex buildings. Or multi-use in a Multi single right, building right. type. <laughs> I mean, the term we use is it's a fully programmed building. So every every, every space, space is used. Purpose. And right. and that and not to kind of go down a rabbit hole here, but it, it is important that we understand that and it, that architects and designers of hotels really get that because that does go towards the business model of our of our clients. And we, you know, we have to make things work, but they also have to be efficient. Well, you know, I think to address kind of a little bit of the direction of the conversation. Years ago, when we started, there was there were really strong brands, and it was almost as important to have replicatable spaces, you know, city to city. Now that's actually not a desired trait. What you really want is a unique experience, right? City to city, which Billy was alluding to, with getting to know the local environment, getting to know the things that accentuate to bring to fore, to bring to bear. But really, what we're seeing now is it's very important to figure out how to create a unique experience, even within a brand standard, which sometimes can be challenging. <laughs> Just leave it at that. But, you know, also we're seeing a lot more uh, variety of brands out there now that some focus just very specifically that allow you to, you know, tie into that kind of imagery or detail. Yes. I don't want to gloss over that idea of specificity in, in brand and experience. And I kind of want to, you know, maybe we can talk too about, you know, you know, uh, cr creating a... Uh, you know, uh, an experience for the elderly as well in that experience and how that is not dissimilar to crafting a hotel. Because again, the experience is everything, right? Right. Mm -hmm. It is. Yeah. Well, as an as a, as a interesting aside, one of the reasons we got into senior living that had never been on my radar was we were working with Hyatt at the time and they started a, a senior living brand. And they said, oh, you're a hotel guy, you can do senior living. Well, we were like, well, we've never done senior living. But as part of that, you know, you, you bring the you bring the communal aspects of it, but you also bring the 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 idea of how all the different spaces flow together under one concept and one notion, and how you tie them together, even though they have different more residential uses than you would the hotel. So that the idea that we bring that level of sophistication to senior living is it's very, very, been very important for us over the years. And frankly, it's one of the reasons that we still do so much senior living, get requests for it. It's because we, you know, we, we, we understand how to make gracious spaces, big spaces, small spaces, intimate spaces, meeting, large meeting spaces. And it just, it just works really well in different, you know, uses like senior living versus hotels, which are very, very different. One is very residential 
and one's more, you know, you don't know who you're designing for. Anybody could come into the property. So it's a very, uh, very specific kind of approach, building type by building type. Well, I was going to say senior living, the common spaces are really an extension of everybody's home. Right. And you are dealing with people who could have lived in huge homes and are downsizing. And so keeping it very hospitable, but also an extension of a person's home where they feel comfortable going down to dinner or using the living room or using the different spaces is really, really important part of the design, even though you've probably got people with every range of design in their personal units in the building. I'm surprised, to be completely honest with you, at the rapidity in which senior living has has taken on some of these new ideas. Um, you know, tr- traditional senior living, and I don't think you'll you'll argue with with this fact. You know, traditionally, you know, decades ago, up to probably fifteen years ago, you know, the the concept, and, and it's it, I'm not being tongue in cheek, but the idea of God's waiting room, you know, where where they're just living there until until they pass away. That was that's how the design was. There was not a, a great deal of of design thought that went into this, but the the quality of life at that at that stage. I don't know when it happened. I don't know how it happened. I don't know what the impetus was, but th- this idea of of wellness and making those years um, beneficially, you know, better from an experience standpoint have have been nothing short of transformational in the space. Do you, do you know when? Do you know what the impetus was for that, or what happened, or why? Well, you know, we we when we do senior living projects. We often talk about uh, the people that we're essentially marketing to are the children of the people moving in. And this, uh, even though mom and mom would like to live in a place that she's going to run for cover every time she goes downstairs, like, I can't live here. The idea is, is that we also need curb appeal for those, for their children, because a lot of times their children are the, are the ones that go make a preliminary visit and say, yeah, this is a place mom or dad would like to be in. So it started, you know, started in the late eighties and has been continually, catching up to the hospitality industry as as both have evolved. But it, it is very, as you said, it's very transformational where in the senior living industry now it is, it is, there's a series of brands, there's a series of things you do to create that special space. And we, the last two ground up senior living projects we did were really resort based around a resort model. Great focus on indoor outdoor spaces, uh, great focus on social uh, elements of the, of the facility in terms of dining rooms and meeting rooms and uh, activity rooms so that they're, they're, it does feel and work like a way in a mini hotel that you would get together for social events, parties, and those things, as well as learning. So it's, it is it is kind of a, a smaller version of a hotel in the way we're doing it, but it has a real residential character to it. It's a little bit different than a hotel in terms of detail and scale. Now, I, I think the brands got to a point in the senior living market where they were selling a lifestyle and it wasn't selling a seat in God's waiting room. It was right. really a lifestyle. So it That's appealed right. to children and their parents. And it also had appealed for children to go visit their parents was another part of it that I think is a and big their children's thing. children. Yes. <laughs> the grandkids. And what I was going to tag on to that was the model really has changed because when you refer to God's waiting room, I mean, that was really a facility for people who no longer could care for themselves. Medical model, right? It was a medical model, really. 
And now people are moving in at retirement. So the, the whole appeal is really you go there and it's really an aging place, right? So you, you have independent living and that's a real big focus of these facilities now that didn't used to be. So, right. you know, yeah. which is very hospitality oriented. And, um, you know, I think that we're, we're fortunate because we have such a basis in hospitality to understand this. Right. But hospitality has touched a lot of things. I mean, you even hear it now with office spaces, you know, people want it to be hotel-like or even hospitals now or people are wanting hospitals to be, um, you know, much more hotel-like. And as a matter of fact, Jim, you remember you and I worked on a hospital in Memphis right. where they actually hired us because of our hotel expertise to design a family, like, I, I guess it's a family lounge Right. And it was done in a very hotel manner. There was there were places where you could uh, relax, little little independent conversation areas. Right. There were places where you could shower and all that because it was all kind of spurring from that sort of experiential hospitality um, experience to kind of be redundant a little bit. But right. Well, it was about the wellness part of it as well. Yeah, exactly. There's the yeah. wellness of the family and wellness has taken over all of these aspects of senior living, hotels. And ironically, before this thinking, there hadn't been a lot of that for the family of people in sure. hospitals. So well, they realized that if the family of the patient was happy, then the patient typically was happier. It got better faster. Right. So there's actually, you know, data behind all that. Yeah. And, and it, it's interesting because it all kind of goes back to this idea of experience. And that's what I'm, I'm kind of just fixated mm -hmm. on these days right now. I was, I was telling a story the other day. Um, I was talking to a friend. My my experience with hospitality and hotels is a, is a little bit different than than some. You know, I grew up. I'm a native Angelino. I grew up in Southern California. My grandmother uh, used to play cards at the El Rancho in Vegas, and then later the Card Room in La, in Las Vegas, and at the start at the Stardust rather. And um, we would go to Vegas seven times a year in the 70s and 80s. Wow, and what be different? <laughs> what was so interesting about Vegas? Now, I am not a fan of Vegas these days. I, I'm really not. Um, but in the '70s and '80s, what was so special about it is these guys understood the the operators understood that it was all about the programming. It was all about the experience. It was mm -hmm. all about making somebody feel the moment you pulled up to to the front. It was showtime. It was an experience. Um, I think the 90s and 2000s, we kind of like lost that idea and focus a little bit. But Vegas never really has. They kind of understood, you know, they, they had like I remember when I was a kid, my, my parents would send my sister and I over to over to Caesars where they had this kids club, which was like the most amazing thing on the planet. And we were there till <laughs> four in the morning, you know, 10 year olds up till four in the morning wow. with ice cream. And but it was amazing. But wow. Wow. Very cool. but but then later. It, you know, it's the concerts and they, there's always a reason to keep bringing those same people back. The properties don't change, but the experience by demographic do. And because the programming is such now you have to have the infrastructure and the facilities within, within the building itself to support that. And, you know, I kind of want to drill down a little bit on how you approach the changing nature of the programming of what people are looking for. You know, sometimes it's the, it's the restaurants where now, you know, there's this incredible popularity with a glass front to the back, 
you know, so that people who are in the dining room can see what's happening in, in the kitchen. And that was strictly verboten. I mean, for, for decades, like you didn't want to see what was happening in the kitchen. Right. The but now, what's that? The yeah, chef didn't want you to see it either. Right? No, no. But but now it's, it's but now it's a like yeah. But now it's a show. You know, right. you have right. you have spas with with world class amenities. Right. How do you how do you work with your clients on both the programming and then and then building out that infrastructure? And I want to add to that the fact that now because everybody's connected, you have to have that worked into the process as well. There are far more details that have to be worked into the, the actual infrastructure of the project to make sure that the programming can match the experience. How do you do that? Well, one of the things, I mean, that people probably don't realize is that, you know, we do an enormous amount of research. So we're constantly looking at things, reading articles, coming up with ideas. Um, you know, as designers, we'll we'll have an idea that maybe is not for this project, but will be used for that project. So we're we're always trying to stay one step ahead of all that. But the the second part of it is that you know we work with very experienced operators, and they have a good idea of what their business model is. So they come to us with programs. So we take our expertise and we work with the operators, and they tell us what they want, and we craft it together. To be something that that turn that hopefully turns out to be very successful. Well, I also I also think a lot of it you're hitting on the experience part of it, but a lot of it is we bring our own personal experience. Like I, I love spaces that flow in and outdoors. So the last hotel that I did ground up, we did that in the ballroom. The whole end of the ballroom opens up to a big terrace that goes down, looks overlooks the lake. The same for the restaurant the main dining room. And I, I personally love it. So I'll look for those opportunities to incorporate those things because not only me, but everybody likes it. Everybody thinks it's really cool. I don't know what you do with the bugs, but that's another story. Well, this is the creativity is what you're really asking. About. Right. And I think the idea is, you know, the other thing that we, we do a lot together is we interact in terms of trying to make one plus one equals three so that I may not have the best idea, but between Billy and Bill, we come up with something that's very unique. And it's something that is very site specific. So it is it is operators coming to us, but it's also us going, hey, have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? Can we do this here? Because we bring a lot of that to the table in terms of how we plan and think through spaces. Right. So a lot of innovative thinking for courtyards. I mean, it's like what you just did downtown is to me a spectacular. And that's just something you brought to the table. Well, and I think a lot about how you know, the programming has changed in the industry. I I remember when I first started, it was always an argument over how many guest room bays you were going to give up for a fitness center. Right. And then, you know, the ceilings weren't tall enough for anybody to use a stair stepper. So then we had to figure out a better space. Right. But then right. a lot of those hotels opened with three, four, five restaurants and nobody was going to them. So right. what do you do with that restaurant space? Well, that becomes fitness big transition of taking underutilized space and making it in meetings because that generates revenue. So part of it is, you know, keeping up with the trends and as you're renovating, incorporating the ideas to maximize the ROI for the client. And sometimes it's harder than others, but there are a lot of hotels out there that we've done some pretty significant transformations on that have really kind of reorganized the space to work better with today's needs and they may have been great boxes when they were built in the 70s, 80s, or actually we're working on one from the 20s right now. So 
it's just kind of figuring out sometimes what space you've got and how you can maximize it for your ownership. You are listening to another installment of The Showroom, featuring Billy, Jim, and Bill from C Plus TC Design Studio in the ATL. We'll be right back. Design Hardware's newly remodeled showroom is where you will find a gallery-style space with a thoughtful display of products, purposefully positioned to allow unbridled exploration and discovery. High-end faucets, luxury tile, natural stone, wood floors, and bespoke hardware selections are presented in a holistic manner, strategically arranged to stimulate creativity and transition your vision from the conceptual stage to a fully realized space. Conveniently located, free parking available, stop by to find your inspiration, collect samples, get expert advice, and tackle everything on your shopping list all in one place. Visit them online at designhardware.com or in the real world, 6053 West 3rd Street in Los Angeles. So off off topic, um, but you mentioned a, a project from the 20s. Do you ever find yourself in a situation where you now have to look at something historically relevant or significant and work around that? Yes. And yes. how do you work around that? <laughs> Very carefully. Yeah. Threading yeah. 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 the needle. Threading yeah. the needle. Yeah. I know, listen, you know, there, it depends on if, if you know a lot of that is if it's got tax credits or if it's just a historic jewel that you're trying to maintain. Tax credits and the way you deal with those are very different issues than taking it taking a building with historic bones and renovating it. So it depends on a lot of what you know how how the economics of it work in terms of tax credits. Uh, but it, it's it's exciting in both cases because sometimes the historic informs the contemporary is sometimes the contemporary can really burnish and polish a historic area. I mean, I think the, cool. I think this question kind of goes to the DNA of our firm and how we do our work. And I've always thought that we were very much contextualist, right? You know, we're not a firm that has a style and it just gets inserted everywhere, right? So we always try to look at what is the best answer for the given, given problem that's presented before us. And in this particular project that Billy is referring to, it's a, it's a hotel that's over 100 years old. And, you know, we're sympathetic to that because we want to make the right design decisions and we use our expertise and our knowledge. And there are also local requirements that we have to maintain. So all that kind of gets put into the soup. And, um, you know, when it's done, we have a delicious meal. Well, and thinking back when that hotel was built, not every room had a bathroom. That's not <laughs> right. That's not going to work. You it's know, it, it's obviously been fixed. <laughs> they do now. now. They do now. Right. But yeah, it was fixed a while ago. But that leaves us with a lot of interesting guest room modules. So um, when you go back and try and fit in bathrooms later, right? So yeah, I mean, it's a challenge. It's a puzzle. It is a challenge, but it it exactly very good analogy. It is a puzzle. Well, but, it keeps but, the job interesting. But that's what we're good at putting. We're we're good at solving all that. So. Yeah, it reminds me, you know, I mean, they've been dealing with with these kinds of things in Europe for for decades exactly. and decades. Right. Absolutely. But but they for us, it's still further than 100 years. I know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, shifting gears a little bit to material. Can you recall a time when. Specifying material. New materials coming on market new technologies coming on the market, difficulty in, in sourcing has, has all converged at a single time like it has now? That's an interesting question. It's, it's, you know, it's getting better, but the 
the pandemic really just just killed the flow of materials and products. And it's, well, it's a very interesting time to see what you normally specify and then what you can get. I mean, I would say everything was. There've all there always been sort of small challenges, and we would we would occasionally run into right. this particular material is not right. available, and we have to make a reselection. But it was usually just one or two things, and everything seemed to be humming right along, more or less okay. And Jim's right. I mean, when the global economy shut down in March of what, 20? Is that yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, it's just, it would took a real, I, I would say things, you're probably closer to this than me, but I, I I would say things are probably feeling like they're getting back to where they used to be, but we're still seeing long lead times and things. So, you know, what is it three years later? So, right. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, no, I, I would say this is probably the worst that it's been, I, I would have to say. Yes. But it was an extraordinary time. You know, and nobody could predict the pandemic. So. Yeah, but it's inter it's interesting though. I'm not just talking about supply chain and lack of of product. But what was interesting to me is that at the time when everything's shutting down and and companies can't get their product out, they still had people working from home or remotely working on new ideas and new technologies and and new concepts in product and material delivery. That you know, like I was at Kbiz this year in IBS. And I, I just saw, first of all, I saw a lot of people. Um, I was surprised. I was kind of shocked by the amount of people I saw right. there, yeah. um, which, which portends well for, for the business, but also the amount of new materials and new ideas um, that, that I saw, I thought was, was pretty stunning as well. How, how do you stay on top of that? And how do you work strategically with your suppliers, showrooms, vendors, partners to, to then secure what you need, because, you know, doing a hotel is not a residential project. You know, you need a, you need a lot of material. Well, it's a different, it's a different uh, ability. The, the, the products have to have a little bit different uh, wear characteristics. I mean, what you can use in a house in a chair, you can't really use in a hotel. So it's a very different kind of product requirement and quality that we're looking for too but i mean we you know we we have a lot of reps coming into the office and billy can probably address that better than me but a lot of what we've seen now that the pandemic is is kind of in the background over our shoulder is that, that people are coming into the office frequently and the good news about that is all the things you're saying about the new product development is very clear that there's been people have been working developing new ideas but we haven't been able to see them but now there's just it's like an explosion of people coming in explaining what they're doing the show and stuff and it's very exciting because yeah there, there is a new product out there well and i think a lot of new product was developed but even talking to my friends in manufacturing right. to get a prototype made to get it from concept because of the all the supply chain issues there was a lot of product that couldn't even go to a physical product it was designed so i think that's why we're seeing a lot of influx of material um i was on a panel earlier this week and the salespeople are still struggling as far as how to get their product out there we're in the office three to four days a week um but there's a wide variety of who's in the office and so the salespeople are really really struggling right now to get their product noticed and it was a major topic of conversation because for us to look at say fabrics on a zoom call is very use it's just not a useful use of time so they all look no. gray and flat so we need to see that we need to touch it we need to feel it um so we have reps come in and do product 
demonstrations and we've had two lunch and learns in the office this week. We have sometimes they just come in and set out a tabletop for us and pick up their presentation so that we can see new product in between the times they come in to actually do a physical presentation. We do trade shows, but it's interesting. Last year, the trade shows had some new product. I think this year there'll be more new product. But again, it's actually getting all those ideas into reality right now that we're starting to see the new product roll out. Um, there's been a lot of technology developed um, over the pandemic. Um, so starting to figure out how to integrate that and roll that out and understand it, quite honestly. Yeah. And, you know, just to figure out and us understand it and then make it so a guest can figure out how to use whatever is rolled into the hotels. You know, I also think that there's a the, during the pandemic, there was a greater focus on how do we do things simpler? How do we make things work with fewer people on the construction side? So I think we're beginning to see more European influence in terms of products and materials coming in in terms of how to build things and simplicity of exterior skin. We're also catching up with Europe in terms of a lot of the range screen technology that we're doing now, which is all that's really great news because yep. it's there. It's just now kind of coming into the States. But, you know, we also get inspiration just in our life. I, years ago, we I, I was saw the space shuttle and I was so impressed with the windows. I'm like, well, how does that work? And it's, it's a product called dichroic glass. And it, it as you move around, it changes color. So we actually, I, I found a product and we used it in a hotel as artwork. So as you literally, as you walk, it changes color. So it may look like a static elevation, but as you move by it, it changes color. There's all the different layers of refraction in the glass that does that. So you, we get inspiration just by seeing things, by doing things, by being out in the world and going, hey, that's, a, that's really cool. What can we do with that? How do we use that? So yeah, you never know. I love that. I love that. And speaking of seeing things, I kind of want to jump now to uh, to the show and tell part of our uh, presentation here, um, which I love doing. And by the way, so if you're listening to the podcast, uh, you can uh, go to the show notes and you can click on, hang on a second. Uh, you can click on the show notes and you can go to the website and you can see some of the images or we can you can uh, watch the video and there will be a link in the show notes where you can do that as well. Um, can you guys see my screen? Yes. Okay. So I wanted to start with this. I, I absolutely love this building. What am I looking at? This is uh, Primland Resort. It's up in Southern Virginia. Uh, it is a 26 uh, room, five star hotel that is really was inspired by an, the owner who was French. And we really wanted, he, he really loved a lot of the kind of uh, local architecture, the silos and, and the scale of it. So we designed the building to, to silo, to have a silo, which interestingly enough has, um, uh, you know, a suite in the end has a, has a big telescope in the top. So the telescope is tied into a local university as well as a theater. I mean, there's just a lot of really, really unusual features of this building. And in the very bottom floor, it has a full spa, which we've actually added on to three times. So it's been very successful. But it's it was, um, like I said, five-star, 26-room project in Southern Virginia. It's called Premlin Lodge. When you, when you get a project like this, do you, and you're talking to ownership and management, do you get an do you get an idea of 
you get an idea of the of the the management team for sure. But do they do they give you a person? I'll give you an example. So you know, back in my in my in a previous life in broadcast, when we would launch a new show or a new format or something like that, we would say, okay, who's going to listen? You know, who is the listener for this for this show? And they'd get a name. They'd have a gender. They'd have a lifestyle and income. They'd have. We'd create this this whole persona, like who that person is. Do you do that here? Interestingly enough, this project was designed without an operator. It was it, we were anticipating an operator. We brought our hotel knowledge to the to the to bear, but there was really no operator uh, when we actually suggested the spa. We were kind of laughed out of the room by, by the owner. But then, of course, it's been a hugely successful thing. But in this case, we did not. This kind of predates that level of focal thinking in in terms of specific design. What we did want to do was design a quality project that would be there for the owner's children and the owner's children's children. So they have a different view of, of financial uh, investment from European background. So we call this long money. This is not something you build and get a quick return. This is something you build that becomes uh, you know, a world-renowned resort for many, many years and increases the value of the property, but also of the land there. There's an enormous resort, many thousands of acres. And so this actually brought up the quality of the rest of the resort just by having the signature building in it. Well, the, the resort, which before this was built, was, well, homes built in the 70s used right. as cabins yeah, for hunting right. and fishing. So when this decision was made to build, well, the first was the golf course. Right, which was um, construction. Yes. And then the hotel, there was a real desire to... Um, I guess, increase the type of guest that really kind of comes to the mountain. And the site that was picked is an unbelievable view. Yes. So it is the best view on the mountain. So the, I'm curious though, as far as the observation space, the, the telescope, is that strictly through the university or does that also create some sort of astro tourism? Well, you know, like I said, it's, it's actually tied in. There's a, on the top floor, there's actually kind of a movie theater room that is also tied in and they do actually have programs where you can go there and see what what you're seeing through the telescope and you can focus on milky way or whatever i mean it's an active telescope the top of the silo opens up so it's actually hidden you know or or open depending on what you need to do and then immediately underneath that you can see the glazing in the in the silo is actually the the main suite so circular suite two-story suite right underneath the, the uh, telescope room. So yeah, that's amazing. An integral part of the programming of the hotel, one of the features they offer is the ability to do that. That's phenomenal. Was the, was the silo reclaimed or was it built new? Oh, no, no, it was definitely built new. <laughs> yeah. I'll go okay. into the complexity of that, but yes, it was definitely built new. <laughs> yeah, extraordinary. Actually, the very bottom of it is the golf course clubhouse. Okay. So the ground floor is the is the golf course clubhouse, and then the next floor is upper guest rooms and the suite, and then the telescope. Love that, love that. So you know, when you think of a hotel, you think of the hotel bar. I maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just me. I think of the hotel bar. This is one of those. <laughs> Not a bad thought. That's right. Right. Um, the hotel bar has you know over over decades conjured so many from from the shining to i mean you you name it right <laughs> when you when wow. you 
when that is my, by the way, that is my favorite hotel bar from the shining. But when, uh, when you, th- when you think of the hotel bar, when you ideate the hotel bar, when you, when you think of, of this meeting space and you're crafting it, it's, it's kind of like there's, it's so multi-purpose and multifunctional that there's so much that has to go into this. How do you, how do you craft the space for all of the different things that, that you have to consider? And by the way, as I look at this, there is, there is so much, there are so many private spaces that are here in addition to it being one large space, which I think is, is ultimately kind of like, there's a little artist, there's a lot of artistry in trying to, to achieve intimacy in a, in a large space. But because that is kind of a, it's, it's so important. How do you approach that? This bar is in, it's in the Buckhead area of Atlanta. And it is known for large private groups. So it's funny you say that because the seating was really designed for large groups of people and to be able to accommodate bottle service. And this is a space that has um, a patio on both sides and both the whole patio is set up for large groups. It's, I don't, it's got a outside is almost all sectional sofas. Again, the whole point of this was to be able to accommodate the large groups that come in and um, they do very well off bottle service and large alcohol bills, but it it's a hopping place on Saturday, Friday and Saturday night. And there's a DJ booth in the back. And so it is, it is not your quiet bar that you go to to have an intimate conversation. I'll say that. So but from there, I spent time talking to the operator and the hotel yeah. and really understanding the neighborhood because this setup would doesn't work in most bars that we do, quite honestly. You really have to have a specialized audience to be able to do this kind of setup. Otherwise, you're going to have a lot of empty seats for parties of two. Right. Um, so that's something we really spent a lot of time with the operator discussing when we did the layout of the furniture. So from there, you know, jumping to and this is this is a beautiful space. And I, I wanted to talk to you about a couple of things. One of the things that I that I notice about this is it's extremely comfortable. It's it's high end. It's not it's not packed, but it's not over. It's the space planning that goes into this. And, and I, I believe too, that there is an extraordinary art form that goes into the space planning of something like this, where you've, you've got everything placed and you, you've got, you've got lighting. This is an incredibly well lit. Now, I don't know what's on the other side at night. I don't know if that's opened up, but tell me about this restaurant and tell me about the property. This is the Western Sarasota and it was a new build for us. And it was interesting because when we started this property, this was just an extension of the lobby. It was going to be a very open food and beverage experience. And then probably I'd say seven eighths of the way through the project, they um, hired an outside operator to run the restaurant independently. And the way the lobby set up is that when we kind of partitioned the space off, we ended up with a very long skinny space. Um, and this is on the corner of the building and the corner you can actually, if you look really hard, see the water. Right. Um, so part of the banquet that you're seeing in the foreground is a long banquet that's um, allows us to kind of have a pathway without people walking right through all the tables. So you kind of get that intimacy 
on the dining side and the back side can become a pathway and the service can come through there because there are tables to the right as well. Right. Love that. Um, wanted to jump to, okay. So if I were to see, I would not place this, this bathroom. If somebody showed me this image, I would not necessarily place this bathroom in a hotel. Um, is, is the goal to have a bathroom that you can look at and say this, it could be a residential, it could be a hotel. There isn't, it's, it's, in, it's indistinguishable. And this, it was luxury as well. So this is part of a suite that was specifically designed for um, girls night out and um, a bridal party. So it's got a bit more of a feminine feel to it than a lot of the things we do because it was designed specifically for those two types of outings. So it is a very specialized suite um, with a specific purpose. And, you know, the last one I kind of wanted to, to touch on is, is just a, a very luxury, it's simple, it's, it's a very simple space. But again, when you look at this, this is not something where somebody is just coming in to, to spend the night and then get back out of the room. There's, there's an experience here. And that's, again, this, is, this picture is great for what we were talking about, where the experience has to be better than what most of us have at home. Exactly. And I think this room really does that. And doing the really large wood headboard millwork wall really kind of set the tone for it along with the rich colors. It's not a large room, but we also got higher ceilings here with the dramatic windows. And even though the view may not be a wow view, just having the daylight and the feeling of the height from the windows really adds to the drama of the space. I mean, this is actually a, a very good image to accentuate the points that we talked about at the beginning of this conversation in terms of the, you know, wanting the guests to have this elevated experience um, as they travel. There was a time, like a long time ago, but there was a time in the hotel business where they didn't want you to stay in your room. Like it was really, they were really designed to be spaces where you just slept and that's it. And there was no emphasis on it because it was all in the public areas. And that has evolved over time. And now you're seeing the great bathrooms, you're seeing these great bedrooms. And as Billy said, um, it is supposed to be a notch up from, because you're, you're, you know, even if it's business travel, it, it's, it's, it's an experience that, that you're going to remember. And, um, especially for vacation travel, people want that element experience. And, and, you know, the, the last thing I'm going to, I wanted to ask you about is, it, and it, it's a genuine curiosity. If you feel the, the pressure that comes from, I mean, when you started doing hospitality, shared spaces, RVBO, you know, Airbnb was not, was not really a thing, but because of the popularity in that you have this, this, these different views and different philosophies now about people saying, well, you know, if, if not, if I'm not a hotel person, I'm going to go to an Airbnb, or maybe I'm going to, I'm going to do it this time. Or do you, do you feel in competition with that side of the industry in respect to your design for experiencing uh, the, the type of projects that you're designing? I don't think I have felt that because yeah. I think it's such a different 
a different experience. Right. Um, I, I like to stay at a hotel because I like food at my fingertips. Right. I like somebody to change my towels. I like my room cleaned. I like being able to call and somebody bring me the whatever I need. And an Airbnb is, you know, you're there, you're in a, you're sleeping in a different place. It may be a very elevated experience from your home experience, but you're essentially, you know, cooking for yourself or calling food in and you're there until you leave. So to, for us and for what I see on the interior side, it's just such a different experience and a different need that I don't feel it on the design side. Now, I will say the hotels have felt it on the sales side. Right. For sure. Absolutely. Right. You know, I think the other thing that we've always seen in hotels is the other piece of the hotels that you don't think so much about, but it's the social aspect of meetings, weddings, you know, getting together. And obviously that's not a part of Airbnb so much unless you rent a house and have a pool party, but it's it's much more uh, about being able to deliver a high level of, of event planning and event usage that we, we've always been involved in and always try to emphasize with our clients and even as we're planning because we recognize that that social aspect is really, really critical to the experience. You may not go to a hotel or a restaurant, you may go for a wedding or for an executive meeting, but the ability to do that and have a great experience will bring you back to spend a night or spend a weekend. So it, it's, it's, it's a, again, as Billy was saying, we, I don't really feel the pressure from Airbnb and that type of uh, travel a booking, but I do see that it can influence uh, what we're doing, and you know we do think about it, but it's really not pressure, so to speak. It's just really yet another voice. So, so, so we were the architects for the Omni Hotel at Truist Park, which is the Major League Baseball stadium here in Atlanta for the Atlanta Braves, and the hotel is actually connected to the baseball stadium, and we're actually seeing, um, we're hearing from our client that they're actually getting local people that come and are staying in the hotel, you know, they have a house here, right? So they're staying in the hotel because they want that, that elevated experience and they're combining it with going to and watching a baseball game. So we're actually seeing that, you know, which is a little bit of a different kind of uh, paradigm than what you used to have where people were, had a hotel for very functional reasons because right. they were right. 500 miles from home. So I think that goes to that point. I love that. I would, I would want that too. I want to come to Atlanta and watch a game. Yeah, that sure. sounds amazing. That sounds amazing. Yeah. Well, and just down below, there's a whole, there's tons of restaurants, right. there's uh, open courtyards, right. all kinds of activities there. So it, again, that's part of the experience we're talking about. And I think hotels have also done a better job instead of just picking a location on the middle of whatever street, they're looking to work with whether it's a water park or the baseball stadium or it's the the ocean's always been popular, but there's some draw. Um, of course, there's still the convention center draw, which is a different, it's a whole different kind of hotel module. Right, but right. having that kind of draw is a big thing for the hotel to sell itself long-term. And it also, a lot of those things, whether it's a water park or whatever, helps offset the, the weekend business versus the business because you have to cater to both or else you're quiet only you're quiet on the weekends or you're quiet during the week so making sure there's something there that draws people seven days a week is really important to a lot of the thinking this this was fun 
I, I really enjoyed this, Jim, Billy, Bill. Thank you so much for, for taking the time to do this and catching up and talking me through this. I, it was a blast. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks, Sean. Great opportunity. We are living in a time of incredible growth, both technologically and creatively, with respect to interior design, exterior design, and architecture. There is no question. There are companies thinking differently about the business of design and how to make products super serve those for whom they're being made. One of those companies, and one of my favorites, is Moya Living, designer and fabricators of some of the most stunningly beautiful, incredibly durable, and highly functional kitchen, bath, and outdoor kitchen cabinetry on the market today. Powder-coated steel with stunning lines, vibrant colors to fit any design style or aesthetic a history of designing cabinetry for the scientific community. So you know it's been tested in some of the truly the most harsh conditions available. Moya O'Neill is the CEO and founder of Moya Living. She's the inspiration behind the design. Designers, their specification process is so simple. It will make your job so much easier. Check them out online through the socials at Moya Living their website, moyaliving.com, and in the real world, their live kitchen showroom in Fountain Valley, California. Thank you, Billy, Jim, and Bill for joining me in the showroom. I really enjoyed our time together. Thank you to my partners and sponsors, Thermosol, Moya Living, and Design Hardware for your continued support of both Convo by Design and the design community. The sponsors and partners you hear on Convo by Design are more than companies with a product. They're friends, they're family. They're partners. I have, I have the, the joy and pride to work with, and they've been fully vetted. I've worked with these people for a long time, and they're owned and operated by people who love what they do and have a dedicated, basically, they've dedicated themselves to serving both the design community and the customers who, who use designers and architects and who want beautiful spaces by providing the best products and services available. If you would like to know more, uh, and my experience in working with them, email me, convobydesign at outlook.com or message me on Instagram, convobydesign with an X. I'd be more than happy to share my experience with you. And as usual, I would like to encourage you, if there's somebody, your favorite designer that maybe you've never heard on the show before, email me or message me. I would love to hear from you with show ideas and guest suggestions. As in every episode of The Showroom, we have imagery of the C plus TC design team's work. So please head over to Convo by Design, again with an X on Instagram, to check it out in Reels. Thank you for sharing the time to listen to the show and share in this experience. Until next week, be well and take today first. (laughs) 